0: Um, how many of y'all know that it's a lot tougher uh, to go to school and be a kid than it was a while ago, even last year? <laughs> it's a tough world out there right now, and our kids are getting ready to go out there. In fact, a, number, numerous of our kid, number, a bunch of our kids aren't even here right now because they're enjoying their last little hurrah. But I'm glad to see you guys all here, and different kids are going to school, so let's pray for these kids. And how many of y'all would commit to praying for these kids, like on a daily, whenever you see a school bus? How I many of y'all, like, when you're on your way to work and see that school bus, you're like, oh, school bus, i got to get around it, you know, anybody else like that with me? Yeah, okay. How I many of y'all commit every time you go through a school zone and you don't want to do, what is it, 35, 45, 45. 45. I'm just joking, <laughs> how many of you to commit every time you go through a school zone, maybe every time you see something that reminds you. Uh, Would you, uh, uh, of the kids in school, that you take that as an opportunity to just throw a prayer up for them? Anybody commit to doing that? Right on. So let's pray for them now. Father, um, we know that this world is getting darker and darker, but as the world gets darker, it's easier to see light. Father, I pray that you'd be working in the hearts of each one of these kids. um, That, Father, you would make yourself so real to them that they would have absolutely no questions, no problems. By, about standing up for you and being able to tell people the truth of what's really real and what's not, because there's so many whack things going on in this world that the world's looking for hope in and peace in. And Father, I pray you would take each one of the children um, that belong to you, each one of the children have given their life to you, Father. I pray that you would just use them as beacons of light, not only with the other students, but even with the administration, with the teachers, Father it's your Holy Spirit that makes the difference and your Holy Spirit speaking through these children would be so awesome. Father, there's so many children that never heard the name of Jesus, so many children that, that don't know that name. I pray, Father, that there would be many children this year that would hear the name of Jesus and you'd give them a desire they can't refuse to surrender their life to you. I pray there'd be revival in the schools And it would start with the children, Father. So, Father, I just want to pray for these kids. That you put a hedge of protection around them. Father, it would be really cool to just send them out in a little bubble and and keep them isolated from everything and protected from everything. Um, And that's really what we would like. But we know that we grow during tough times. We grow when we're persecuted. We grow when we're challenged. And I'm not asking for any of that to happen. I just know it's going to happen. I just pray, Father that each one of these kids, their little lights would shine. And they would shine bright in this darkness. And others would be attracted to that light that's shining in the darkness so they can see where they're going. I pray you would use them. Because Father, unlike a lot of adults who listen to the Word and are trying to figure out all the reasons they can't, why they can't apply at Kids, man. Father, I've just seen them. They'll charge hell with a water pistol if they believe it's going to work. Father, fill them with your Word let them know that those promises are true and fill them with courage so that they can show others the way to go. Because they're really the only evangelists that we have in those schools right now. And Father, I just pray that you'd use them in a mighty way. And um, I just pray for these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Alright, kids, take off, man. Head back and you shouldn't have a hard time beating this floor today. Down the stairs. Y'all uh, be praying for this Lord too, man. She kind of hurt her back. Yeah. yeah. Oh, come on, man. you got to do the whole old lady walk there. All right. We all right. Very cool. All right. How many of you have ever, uh, have you ever? Looked at like surfing and and you know you saw it and said man I'd like to try that out anybody ever you know at some point in your life I'd like to try that out or you actually had these two over here uh, Jackie and Missy had a surf lesson and I'm not going to specifically be talking about them today but we will be having a lot of references back to their surf lessons okay but you know you how many of you once you actually got on a board and you rode away, realized it was different than what you thought. Once you got on it, it was a different experience, wasn't it? Yeah, Miss Ellie. Miss Ellie. Yeah, look. Miss Ellie, she served. She rode waves in. Yeah. All right. We're good. And, um, but it's a different experience. It's something that you can only imagine looking at magazines or watching videos and doing all that. But you really don't know what it's like until you actually experience it, until you actually do it. And then what happens a lot of times, you know right away, um, uh, and Fernando's kind of finding this out about her family, but... There's some people that when they do it, they're just gone. They're lost, right? You've lost your family to surfing now, right? You know, it's a good thing you like hanging out on the beach and just kind of chilling because that's what we had in our family. At least we've always had somebody watch our stuff when we're on the beach, right? So, you know, and so, anyway, some people, once they get a hold of surfing, it just takes over their life. They're going to marry people that if if that person's not going to let them surf, they won't won't stay in that relationship, man. If that job won't let them, they're just going to get another job. They're going to situate their whole life around surfing, whether they admit it or not. And that's called stoke, okay? Uh, So so here's what happens. First, somebody gets a hold of surfing and they try it and it's way different than what, it's it's better than they ever imagined. But they didn't know what it was like until they actually fully experienced it. Once they experienced it, man, and now they believe in it, now they're, they're, they're into it, you can't stop them from going. Is that Anybody found that to be true in anybody's life? You can't stop them from going to the beach. they got to go. Uh, and, and we're not going to have Beach Day Monday officially tomorrow, but I know some people are probably still going to go because you can't stop your kids from going. They're just going to be obnoxious if you don't go, right? Well, they're going to have to deal with it tomorrow. School starts tomorrow. Okay, all right, all right. So even homeschooling, you're not, like, you know, going to build that into your P.E. curriculum, or... Oh, I shouldn't give them that idea. Oh, my dad, sorry. I am such a good influence. So... You see what I'm talking about? So you get a hold of surfing, you want to go, and, and, and nothing's going to stop you from going, and when you go, man, it's just a powerful thing. It's very similar to at the, the last part of the Gospel of Mark, where we're going to finish today. Now i got to tell you, in these last few verses, verses 9 through 20, there's a lot of commentators that don't even give this any credit. There's... A lot of Bible scholars that don't deal with this, they just kind of skip because they feel as though this is an unnatural ending to the Gospel of Mark. And there's indications that this was not part of the original manuscript. Some of the oldest manuscripts in the Gospel of Mark... Verses 9 through 20 were not there. In fact, you know, you'll see it in italics in some of your Bibles. And just because it wasn't in some of the older manuscripts, what you'll find is that it's in actually most of the newer manuscripts. And there's nothing in there that's unbiblical. What it looks like happened is that Mark, I kind of finished Peter's rendition of the story. That's what the Gospel of Mark is. And then later, some people kind of just added more of an ending to make it flow better, so to speak. But everything that's in this Gospel of Mark, especially this little section right here, is going to be biblical. And it's something for us to learn. It's, a, 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 it's another opportunity to see life from God's perspective. And I know God gave me a message out of this today. So here's how you're going to remember it, okay? And it's sort of like surfing. and I'll tie that all back in. But I want you guys to, I want you all to do this. I want you to put your, your fingers in your eyes. Not in your eyes, but by them, you know? And say, seeing Sing. is believing. Oh, and you notice, I want you to touch your heart right here. Okay, you ready, guys? Seeing is believing. Okay, because you don't really see something, man, until you got your heart and soul, until you actually experience it. Okay, so seeing is believing. Okay, we got that. Let's see if everybody's got it again one more time. Seeing is believing. Now, follow me here. Believing is going. Okay? So here we go. Seeing is believing, and believing is going, because... You know, as Paul Harvey. Anybody you guys remember Paul Harvey? The rest of the story. You remember that guy on the radio used to be there? And he once said, if you don't do it, you don't believe it. Believing's not here. Believing's right here. So seeing is believing, and believing is going. If you believe in it, you're going. If you have really saw surfing firsthand from a wave, especially once you go down the line the first time, you're stuck. You're, you're, you're lost. You're a you're waste product. You're never going to be normal again. You're going, to, you're going to dream about it. Then you get barreled and you're really lost and you're gone and all of this. So once you fully experience it, you believe in this now and believing is going. Nobody can keep you from going. Natalie, do you try to work a surf session in at, at, at least once a week? Yeah. Do you try to work it in once a day? Yeah. Do you try and dream about working it in once an hour? Yeah, but it doesn't always work out that way. Because now you're an adult with adult responsibilities and adult job. and Yeah, so if you don't have that man, just go for it. So seeing is believing, but believing makes you go. Seeing is believing, and believing is going. And when we as believers go, we go in his power. Okay, so let's get this right. all right, everybody, One more time. Seeing is believing, believing is going, and going is in God's power. Okay? All right, I know I messed up on that last part. Seeing is believing, Believing's going, and going is in God's power. You think you remember that? Because yes. you guys got to preach this to somebody today. Probably. All right, that's what you're preaching. That's what, that's what you need to do is take this and share this with somebody. So let's go ahead and let's start in verse 9 and let's get moving. This is the part about, you're going to see, seeing is believing. It says, now when he, Jesus, rose early on the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene. Out of whom he had cast seven demons. Now, you can read about Mary Magdalene and the other gospel accounts. Luke covers it. John covers it. And you can see that that is how their relationship started. It's Jesus cast seven demons out of this woman. And the Bible teaches those who have had a lot forgiven um, have now got a lot of love. <laughs> You know, you when 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 you when you've been forgiven greatly, man, you 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 have a great love in all of this. So he had cast out seven demons out of her. Verse ten. She went and told those who had been with him as they mourned and wept. So who were the ones that were with them? Who are who were mourning and weeping? Remember, the ladies came to the tomb, right? So she got to the tomb. When you read the story, she the ladies were going in the morning, and she got out ahead of them because man, she really loved Jesus and wanted to get there early. When she got there early, she saw that the body was gone. And what would she say? Remember? That she thought everybody stole the body. They stole the body. He's gone. He's gone. He's gone. And then she took off running. Now, she was going to tell Peter and all of them and went and told them that the body was stolen. And then, coming back, Peter and all the disciples went and saw, yep, that's true. And then they all started weeping now the body's even stolen. We can't respect them. They went on back. And Mary Magdalene was hanging out in a garden. And she thought, you know, there was a gardener, right? You can read this whole story. It's in Luke or John. I think it's in, this one's in John. And, and she's sitting there. And all of a sudden, Jesus speaks to her. And she saw him. And when she literally saw him, now she believed in the resurrection. Seeing is believing. And why did Mary Magdalene see believe that Jesus was raised from the dead? Because seeing is believing. She went back and told the disciples, I saw him, I saw him, I saw him, but look what happens in here. She went and told those who had been with them as they mourned and wept. That's the disciples. They're in their little pity party. They're just kind of feeling bad. They're, They're surrounded by their circumstances. Man, have you ever been so surrounded by your circumstances and your situation that you can't see God? You know, all your troubles, all everything, just like when they were in the boat. We're going to get to that later. And they were all in the boat, man. And the storm, you remember that earlier in Mark? And Jesus walks by, but they missed Jesus being there. They missed him because they were too focused on the waves and all that. That's where these guys were. What are we going to do for a living? How are we going to have a business again? Dad, now, man, said if we left, we couldn't be back in the fishing business. And all trying to figure out how they're going to make a living. And Jesus' body's stolen now. We're going to get blamed for it. It's all going to be messed up. And so they mourned and wept. And when they heard that he was alive, and they had that he had been seen by her, Mary Magdalene, look what it says. That they said, yes, awesome, we knew it. We now, yes, he's alive. Is that what they said? No, look what it says. Everybody read that with me, last four words. They did not believe. Dude, Mary Magdalene, she probably wasn't known as a liar. I mean, but they're just like, oh, get away. You're just trying to cheer us up you just trying to say so, But seeing is believing. Why did Mary Magdalene believe Jesus was risen from the dead? Because, help me out, guys. Help me out. Come on, man. You guys got, it's a muggy day today. Stick your finger in your eye real quick for me. Because seeing is believing. Oh, that's good. Just help me out. Humor me with that, guys. It'll help you remember. Seeing is believing. That's the only reason Mary Magdalene believed that he was raised from the dead. Because seeing is believing. She went and told the disciples, and they were like, get out of here. That's not true. Ethan? Nicholas. Then, the second part of this, verse 12, after that, Jesus, he appeared in another form to two of them as they went into the country. This is in Luke. And this is uh, the road to Emmaus. There were a couple of disciples, and they were walking. They were leaving Jerusalem. Oh, so was us. We believed in Jesus. and Man, put everything into it. And he let us down. We don't know what we're going to do now. We have our family hate us because we left them for Jesus. And they're just there, and all of a sudden, another guy shows up and says, hey, guys, what's going on? And they're like, what, are you like, Like you've been living in a corner? What? You know? What, what do you mean what's going on? You'd have to be like just somewhere hiding in a cave under a rock to not know what's going on. Jesus was crucified. And so the guy starts talking to him and explains, you can read this in Luke, that Jesus... They didn't know it was Jesus. He didn't let them see it was Jesus. He starts explaining from the Scriptures, from the Old Testament all the way to the New Testament, how Jesus fulfilled all the Scriptures. Because did you know that you can cut the Bible anywhere and it bleeds? You can cut the Bible anywhere and it bleeds. Man, everywhere in the Old Testament and the New Testament, it's all about Christ and what He would do. And Jesus, could you imagine being one of these guys and having Jesus next to you, explaining the Scriptures to you, And then their eye. Then they're like, "Hey, tell us more. Hey, you're gonna go on? No, no, stay here. Stay here. We're all gonna stay at this little hotel or wherever this rock we found." And he starts explaining more to them. And then their eyes were opened, and they saw it was Jesus. And right at time, they're like, "Yes!" And then he disappears. He's gone. But they knew it was Jesus. They knew it because help me out, guys. Stick fingers in your eyes because seeing is. You got to experience it before it can come, become real to you. I mean, when you gave your life to Christ, did it go from your head to your heart, or your heart to your head? Did you figure it out because you're so smart? Did you go study scriptures and take seminary classes, and you're like, "Okay, the evidence is here and here. I guess I'm going to choose Jesus." No, that's not how it works. Because then only smart people get saved, and I'd be lost and bust a wide open. All right. What happens is He puts it in your heart and He says, here's a little seed, take it and grow it. Here's a little something, I'm going to give you the desire and ability to believe. And as we believe, He continues to prove it to us. It goes from our heart to our head in this. So you've got to experience it. Seeing is believing. You don't experience it, it's awful hard. Have you ever tried to explain the Gospel to somebody who is not seeing it? You ever tried? I mean, there it is. There's the gospel. I'm just going to tell you guys, pray for me this afternoon. I don't know how it's all going to go out. This is going to be way different than the service with Bill Kerner. But I have a memorial service today at 2 o'clock with a man who I knelt down with a couple of days as he's on his deathbed, his hospice is in his house. And I said, man, I said, hey, how would you like me to pray for you today? And he said, you know I ain't a praying man. You know I don't believe in that stuff. I'm like, oh, but John, you're on your deathbed. Don't you know? And we've shared the gospel. I've shared it with him so many times. But it's just there. His ears were deaf. And he's like, I said, what are you going to do? He said, I don't know, but I'm ready to go. I'm tired. I'm done. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm waiting for one more person, then I'm going. I said, where are you going? He said, I don't know. I'm going to take my chances. And I'm just like, dude, this is somebody getting ready. And he died, dude, about a day and a half later. He knew he was dying. But the gospel made no sense to him. God has to speak to your heart. He has to let you experience it. And at that time when you're experiencing it, you accept it. And then it becomes real and you've got it for how long? Forever. Forever. But... It's like we talked about with Nicodemus. It's like the wind. He says, the Holy Spirit giving you the desire and ability to give your life to Christ. It's like the wind. You don't know when it's coming. You don't know when it's leaving. But you know when it's there. And so here it is, man. You've been there. Have you ever tried to talk to somebody? And it makes so much sense to you. God's giving you something and you're sharing with your heart and soul. And their face is just stone blank. You've been there? Yeah. I don't want you to get discouraged with that. I want you to be encouraged. I want you to keep sharing it. Keep talking, because you don't know who that is. We, When we share the gospel, we share what God has shared with us, with anybody, when God tells us to share it, it's a sweet smell to him, according to 2 Corinthians. If He's impressed. He loves. It's a sweet fragrance to him, our obedience is. That's what we're giving him. And whether people accept it or not, that's his gig and their gig. Between them, We're, we can't save people, can't do it. So, here it was these guys in Emmaus they, they're walking and they, they believe because help me out because seeing is believing. Yes, you guys got me seeing is believing, right? And they went and they told the rest as soon as they knew, they went and told Peter, James, John, all those guys. But what happened? They didn't believe him either because seeing is believing. He there's the disciples. The disciples that man, they have been he's been with them for three years. He's told them that every time he said, Hey, I'm gonna die, be buried, and resurrected, they stopped listening after they heard him say he's gonna die, because that's not what they were taught that he was going to do it. When the Messiah came, he was gonna kick Roman Tail, they were gonna be in charge of everything. And they just couldn't hear it. So seeing is believing. That's why this guy, this guy, he understood. It. He knew Jesus was raised from the dead because seeing How many of you have seen with your heart that Jesus is risen and you know without a shadow of a doubt? Is that not a gift from Him? Would you just right now just say thank you? Yeah! I'll never forget, man, I had a kite shop back in 1987. Right before I got saved, man, I had a kite shop down in a place called Old Town near Kissimmee. Mile and a half east of Disney World. I had everything a twenty-five-year-old young man would ever want. I got to go out and fly kites and play with tourists, and party with everybody and all kinds of stuff out there. My my business partner, they would stay up in the attic at the kite shop and they would make custom kites that I would sell. And I mean I'm a good salesman. I'd sell it, they would make it. And it was an awesome thing. And this guy, Larry, that was my partner. I don't know if we had driving one time and we were flipping through stations. Larry went to Woodstock actually. He was from Chicago, but he went to Woodstock, actually, was there. And and Larry was a huge Bob Dylan fan. And uh, the name of our kite shop was blowing in the Wind Kite Company. <laughs> and and he loved Jimi Hendrix. And on the rock station, we would always request, Hey, this is Eddie from the kite shop. then we want Little Red House by Jimi Hendrix. And they'd be like, oh, and, you know. And there it was again. we played play. I mean, that was it. And I'll never forget getting to the rock station one day. One morning, getting to the rock station, we hit one of those preacher stations. (laughs) You know, the preacher station. We got there, and Larry, as fast as he could, was flipping through it, like, get out of here. You know, we got around, and I'll never forget the words that he said to me. He said, you know, I'd like to have faith in something like that one day. And it just kind of hit me, because I grew up in religion, didn't really have a relationship with God, but God had been working on me. And I just thought that, I took that faith for granted until I heard what he said. What little bit of faith I had to believe there was a God, but yet not establish a relationship with him, I I took that for granted. And when I said, what do you mean, Larry? You don't have faith? You don't believe there's God? He said, no. He said, I wish I could have faith to believe that one day. And we got a discussion, and I just realized he had no faith. And it was just like, wow. He never experienced what he could put together as God's presence in his life, or God's goodness in a, in a rainbow, in a sunrise, or anything like that. We as Christians sometimes think everybody's got it, and they're just being rebellious. Man, we've pray, got to pray for people. We need to be sharing the gospel, because until I gave my life to Christ, I can tell you all different kinds of gospel presentations people brought to me, and when I finally was ready, they all came flooding back. And it was all part of God's plan, all set up for me to be able to accept Christ as my Lord and Savior. June 27, 1988, on a Hasek that I had done every sinful thing you could do on. And I knelt down and just said, yeah, come on, Jesus. And there it was. But these guys, man, they went, they had saw it. They saw it because seeing is believing. But the disciples, again, they go back to them, and they didn't believe in me. So guess what Jesus has to do? What do you think Jesus has to do? If seeing is believing, what's he got to do? Yeah. Absolutely. Let's look. Let's see if that happens, all right? Later, he appeared to the enemy. There it is. He saw it. He came to him. Jesus is like, okay, these guys aren't going to get it. No, that's not really what it was. I, although I think, yeah, he does say, oh, I don't think he's going to get it. Now, do you ever think he feels that way about you and me? Yeah. Uh, now he's just not going to get it. i just got to do something else. Yeah, we're all there. He appeared to the 11. Now, the 11, uh, you know from later in the story, Thomas wasn't there. It was really only 10 there. Because Judas was 12, and he was never there. But the 11 was how they referred to the disciples now. Even though there were only 10, because we know Thomas wasn't there. Later, you remember the story? Thomas, uh, remember again, seeing is believing. Thomas, why didn't he believe? No, didn't yeah, because he didn't see. like, I'm not going to see until I stick my hand in that wound. And I fit my fingers in there. And Thomas is probably talking real big, thinking it'll never happen because Jesus is not alive. One day, Jesus shows up and says, Hey, Tommy, how's it going, man? And he's like, Oh, <laughs> all right, buddy, stick him in. <laughs> and I was like, No, I don't want to touch that. You know? And he's like, No, no, you talk big. Go right and reach in, man. Feel it now. I don't want you to ever forget. Can you imagine sticking your hand in the wound like that? Thomas probably never forgot. <laughs> But Thomas wasn't there, but the 11 is how the disciples were referred to by now. <clears throat> and it says, later he appeared to them as they sat by the table. He rebuked their unbelief and hardness of heart. Okay, we're not going to talk a lot about it, but that's what we've been talking about. Our hearts as natural human beings are hard. We want what we want. and Anything that comes into our life that wants to change it and tweak it and do something different is hard. And the word can't grow in our soil. And so it was, their hearts were hard. And it says, because they did not believe those who had seen him after he had risen. Because, help me out, one more time, poke your eyes here. Seeing Seeing is good. Alright, so go ahead, next verse. And so here's what he said. Seeing is believing, and once you believe, believing is going. If you don't do it, you don't believe it. Somebody once said in the Gospels, if you ain't fishing, you ain't following. (laughs) Because what did Jesus say? He said, If you follow me, I will make you Yeah. He didn't say, Alright, if you follow me, and you're not grossed out by the smell of fish, you know, if you're not like an amphibian person, if you follow me. You know, and it's your temperament or your personality. If you're one of those extroverted people, then I'll do this and this. Uh, if, if you follow me and you're smart enough to get my program and understand all my steps in sharing the gospel, if you follow me and you get all of that, then some of you will be lucky enough to be able to lead other people to Jesus. Is that what he said? No. no, he said, if you follow me, okay, there's your gig. He said, you'll know you're following me because I will make you. When God makes you in a psalm, do you have any choice of the matter? You're there. If you follow, he will make you a fisher of men. He will give you the opportunity to see life from his perspective so you can share with others that same perspective. And this is where we mess it up because we got it down to a presentation. We got it down to a canned speech. We've got it down to, oh, if you die today, you're sure sure you're going to heaven. And if you die, you know, and there's nothing wrong with that. That's got to be part of it. But what is it that people want to see? They want to see our lifestyle. They want to see consistency. They want to see when tough times are rough. They want to see when everybody else is crying, you got joy because that's a spiritual. They want to see something different. I'm not saying we can't cry, we can't be sad, all this. But what they want to see is a living God. Let me share this with you. If God is so big, how many of you all believe God's big? Oh, yeah. How many of you believe God's living inside of you? Okay, if God's so big and he lives inside you, shouldn't he stick out? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That's what this is. This is God right here, guys. Y'all <laughs> thought this was a belly, man. A big port from belly. Tom, this is God. No, i <laughs> No, seriously, man. I don't know where that came from. Right from the pit of hell. Man. <laughs> God is not my belly. Okay. Right, but what I'm saying, guys, is this. Listen, man. If God's so big and he lives inside you, he should stick out. And that's what it's about. He said here, this is Mark's version of the Great Commission. He said that if seeing is believing and you really believe you're going to go. And this doesn't mean go out on Thursday night, go out on Wednesday night, go out on prescribed time. It means as you are going through the day. Do you think it's an accident that you have the jobs you have? Do you think it's an accident you meet the people you meet? Do you think it's an accident that you run run into somebody from behind on US 1, Terry? No. And then they tell you you're number one. I'm like, you know. (laughs) (laughs) We had that conversation earlier. This week, private inside joke, but I'm sure you get it. But anyway, so what I'm saying, do you think anything's an accident? As a believer, no. As you are going, every encounter you have is God-designed. For you to help someone see life from God's perspective. Not the world's perspective, but God's perspective. And that doesn't mean that you got to beat them over the head with the Bible. It doesn't mean that it has to end up with a gospel presentation. But it should end up with some way for them to give their life to Christ way more than it does. Do you agree? Yes. Way more than it does. Because so often we're just like trying to survive the situation and get out of it without losing our testimony. As opposed to using it for what God has designed it for, which is an encounter for us to show them who the living God is. That's the purpose in it. So He said to them, "Go into all. Where are we supposed to go? Where does that start? Right Right here. It starts the minute we. It starts right in here. It starts the minute we leave here. It starts where you go to lunch. It starts with your neighbor. It starts right here. And where does it end?" It doesn't. Everybody, everywhere in the world. He said, go into the world and preach. Now, how many of y'all think that's for the preacher? (laughs) For that extroverted person like me, you know? No, it's you. In fact, how many of y'all are introverts? Can you like just slip your hand up real secretly? Come on, all right, there we go. I love Tom's introverted. How did two introverts even get married, Tom? I don't even understand that, but it's awesome. Alright, you guys are anomaly, but you're awesome together. Hey, yeah. This was the ultimate in- introverted hand raise. <laughs> I saw it, man. <laughs> you folks. Yeah, John, there's not anybody much more introvert. Now see, Karen is a total opposite of John, okay? That means you're not you're definitely not an introvert. I even think extrovert is a little, is a little like a weak terminology for you, but that's all right. So, but in this, man, you introverts are the most awesome people to share the gospel because when you open your mouth, people listen, right? When people like me open my mouth, they're just like, oh, you know, they might catch something because it's always open, right? You know? Yeah, it's like I'm lucky if they even pay attention to anything I say because it's just always open. It's like background noise, right? But you introverts... (laughs) Who said, yeah, (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It is. (laughs) I'm just going to have to start singing at home. (laughs) (laughs) But what I'm saying is, you introverts, man, when you have something to say, people listen. Like, oh, you guys think, oh, man, I can't share the gospel. I'm scared of... It's not your power anyways. It's his. It's not your choice. It's his. He said to them... Seeing is believing, and believing is going. As you are going, go into all the world, preach the gospel to one. Yeah, read, read what that says, actually. Every, now, I'm going to tell you, if I see you guys up in the trees talking to the lizards about Jesus, that, you, you, you're not quite there, right? That's not exactly what that's talking about. But it is talking about every person. Every person, man. All right. So don't be trying to lead your dog to Jesus and all that other stuff. Talk to people, man. Every person. So is there any, is it every person except that person that did that thing to me when I was two years old (laughs) that I'm still holding a grudge against? No. Every person. Look at this. He says, He who believes is baptized and will be saved. So it's all about believing. He who believes is baptized and will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. Some have said that this means that we're supposed to be baptized to be saved, but actually we're baptized because we're saved. We've talked about this before. When you're baptized, it symbolizes Jesus' death and His burial and His resurrection, as I bring you up. It symbolizes you dying to your old life, rising to live a new life with Christ as your Savior, as your power. And so that's what it symbolizes. Same thing as my wedding ring. Again, you've heard this before. If I take it off, I'm still married. If I put it on this TV, that doesn't make the TV married to my wife. It's nothing more than a symbol. And that is what baptism is. is a chance for us to be obedient. It's about believing. He says, if you you believe and are baptized, you're saved. But if you do not believe, you'll be condemned. That word believe is not this. It's this. Seeing is believing. It's believing in your heart. It's like standing on this chair. I believe in this chair with everything I have to put all my full weight and pressure on this. This is not believing. This is not believing, okay? This is not believing. That's what you do in public bathrooms that aren't very good. But I'm just saying, this is what believing is. is putting it all on the line right there, man. It's there. If this chair goes down, I'm down. And if this is your relationship with Christ, Then it says you are saved, saved from hell, saved from all the punishment you deserve from your sins. You're saved. You you have a home in paradise forever when you leave this planet and you have him living inside. You are not condemned by your sins, is what he's saying. And then he goes on and says these signs will follow. And these are some interesting signs because uh, these are signs that we saw prevalently during the time of the Apostles. When we end Mark today, next week we start the book of Acts. That's where we're going into and I'm excited about that. And you're going to see God did some things in Acts that he doesn't really do anymore right now because it's not necessary. These signs when the disciples came and said you know, blah, 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 blah. well, well, What gives you the right to say it? And they're saying, oh, watch this man. You know, they do something crazy. Oh, okay, I believe that's from God. It was proof that what they were saying came from God. What is what is it that we have that is proof that what we do comes from God. we what's that? Lifestyle. Our, our lifestyle. But what, if I if I speak my opinion, is that necessarily from God? No. But if I speak the word, oh. the word is the only truth we have now. They didn't have completed scripture. Now, when I speak on the authority of God's word, that's positive proof truth. It wasn't finished then. So these were signs that were done. Now I'm not saying God can't do these. I'm not saying sometimes he doesn't choose to do them. But what I'm saying is now, the proof that what we're saying is the truth is because it's the word of God. So he says, these signs will follow who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. Is that happening today? Absolutely. There are places in this world where that's still happening. But, because the Holy Spirit lives in us, and because there's a lot of people with the Holy Spirit in them, demon possession isn't as prevalent as it was before Christ came. It was all over the place, and it's when we get when we are taken out of here at the rapture, it is going to be prevalent again, <laughs> because the demon. If we are possessed by Christ, we cannot be possessed by anyone else, and so all those who are possessed by Christ uh, can't be possessed by demons. And so there's not. But when the Holy Spirit is gone from here, man, well look out! I wouldn't want to be around that time, and I'm not going to be around. So he says, all right, these are things they are going to cast out demons. They'll speak in new tongues. And by the way, the only only description we fully have of this is in the book of Acts, chapter 2, which we'll look at. And it was where Peter and these guys got up and started speaking to crowds. It would be like me getting up in Haiti and starting speaking English. And all of a sudden, all the Creole-speaking people heard me. They understood it. That was It was a known tongue. It says unknown tongue. It was unknown to them. It was an unlearned tongue to them. Now, are their tongues spoken? Yes. And we're going to look later and we'll see what the biblical rules or what biblical precedences are set with that. But you know what? There are places. I've talked to missionaries where they get up and they speak in their own language and everybody in another language understands them. Is that happening here? Well, sometimes because I don't really speak English all the time, do I? But... <laughs> But what I'm saying is, these were things, when they, Acts chapter 2, and we see it, Peter and them got up and they're like, they're like, are they drunk? Not this early in the morning. And then finally they understood. It was cool. You'll see what we're talking about biblically. That was one of the, the signs of this. Ethan, they will, now here's the one that's not really backed up in the Bible, okay? Too much. We don't see much of a precedence for this. And you do in the Appalachians, okay? In the mountains, there's people who have taken this verse and developed a doctrine over it. Okay? And people have died, and so on. But I'm not building a doctrine based on this verse right here, okay? It says, they will take up serpents, and, uh, and it also says, if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. We don't have any precedence of this in Scripture. One time, Paul got bit by a snake, and everybody said, oh, well, you're going to die, and he didn't die, because God used that assignment. That's the only precedence we have of that there. It says, if you drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt you. Don't go into publics today and... Um, or when dixie or whoever's got the microphone. And, and don't just like get on top of the counter with a gallon of bleach. You know, and say, oh, kitchen shoppers, come to aisle four. I'm a believer in Jesus Christ. And Ma- Mark 18 says that I can drink something deadly now. So I'm going to share the gospel. Nothing happens to me. You give your life to Jesus. If it doesn't work, I'm in heaven. Well, maybe I'm not because this didn't work. You know, go, go, go. Dude, don't do that. That's tempting God. Don't do that unless God tells you to do it. And if God's telling you to do it, call me first, okay? (laughs) Let me hook you with God and let him talk you out of doing something stupid, all right? So again, I'm not real sure where this comes from here. I'm just saying that, you know, bottom line is that, you know, God was doing things back in that day during during the beginning of the church age before they had completed scripture for a reason. Maybe that happened at one point. Somebody did it it proved to a group of believers that that word was from God. But it's not a precedence that we have now. In order to prove what we're saying comes from God for us, it needs to come from the Bible. Okay? Because that's the truth we have. And he goes on and says you'll lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. I've seen people heal. I've seen that happen. But the bottom line is I don't have a gift to do that to anybody. And I don't know anybody that has the gift to just indiscriminately go and choose who they're going to save or who they're going to heal and so on. And I'm going to say this. I'm going to say that if someone truly has that gift where they can lay hands on people and they can heal them instantly, they're a sorry dog if they don't just get on and do a circuit through every pediatric ward in the whole United States. You really got that ability? It's not based on their faith, man. You know what? You got that ability to go do it. But the bottom line is God gets to choose who's going to heal. How many of you have gotten closer to God because He didn't heal you? I mean, you got closer to God because He allowed you to go through something instead of bailed you out of it. God gets to choose in all of that. And that's where I'm at. But here's what it is for us. Seeing is believing, but believing is going. Going and sharing the gospel. Ethan, go to the next part. So seeing, help me out guys just so I can wake you all up again. Seeing is believing and believing is going. Right. So if you're believing, you really believe in this stuff, you are going to go and share it with others. Okay? In some way, shape, or form, and I'm here to tell you that do it. It's it, it may be scary, but it's awesome because of this next part. So then, after the Lord has spoken to them, he was received up into heaven. Alright? So after God spoke to him, now he ascended into heaven. There's a lot of details in between that their gospel accounts to talk about. We'll even see in the book of Acts. But after he talked to them sometime, he was now received up to heaven. Jesus ascended and sat down at the right hand of God. So what does that mean? I heard a little kid say one time, he said, why is God (laughs) (laughs) left-handed? Well, because Jesus is sitting on his right hand. You've heard that bad joke before, right? Have you really, how many of y'all heard that bad joke before? I saw Emily roll her eyes, but that was not because you heard it. It was just that bad, right? All right, so. So what the right hand is, the right hand is power. And when it says he's sitting on the right hand of God, it means that he's got all the power that God has. In fact, in Matthew's version of the Great Commission at the end of Matthew, he says, all power power has been given unto me in heaven and earth. Go share the gospel. Go go make disciples, baptize in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And if you don't know what that means, it means teaching them to observe what I have taught you. And then he says, oh, and by the way, I'm with you always in that. And so in this, again, it's kind of, weird. he's on he's the right hand of God. It means that he has all power. So here's the one telling us to go. The one who has all authority. So I don't care what the government says. I don't care what anybody else says. God has all authority. He said, you go. Seeing is believing. I've made myself real to you. Now believe and you go. And as you're going, realize you're going in my power. It's not going to be your power. Your power can't raise somebody from the dead. Your power can't make somebody who's spiritually dead become alive. Your power can't can't take these cords that are dead and all of a sudden turn them into snakes or make them alive. But God's power can take something dead and make it alive. And it's not our power. It's not our speech. It's not our presentation. It's his power and our our obedience. So after the Lord spoke to him, he was received up to heaven, sat down at the right hand of God, And look what it says, verse 20. They went out and they preached where? Everywhere. everywhere. They preached everywhere. The Lord was working with them and confirming the word through the accompanying signs. So bottom line is, you know what? You go out on God's behalf, he's not going to let you be hanging. He's not going to leave you hanging. So this is how the whole Gospel of Mark ends. All right, we're done. This is the last verse. All right, you guys ready? Everybody help me out here for the very last time, okay? Uh, Seeing is believing. Believing is going. And going Going is in God's God's power. (laughs) We can get that, Kathy. (laughs) Going is going in God's power. He's not going to call you into his army and make you buy buy your own bullets, man. God is going to give you everything you need to do it. All he's looking for from us is he's looking for our obedience. So this is how the Gospel of Mark is ended. And so I want... To pray that you would see people be soul conscious. You'd see their souls before you see their bodies. You'd see their souls before you see their personality. You'd see their souls before you see their driving abilities or lack thereof. You'd see their souls before you, you just hear them talk. You would see their souls and realize that these souls are going to live forever somewhere. You've got Christ as your Lord and Savior, man. <laughs> You've got a home in heaven. And the only reason He left you here is so you fall more in love with Him, so you fall more in love with others and share this with them. So that's what we're here for. Check this out: simple way to share the gospel using colors. Um, simple way, man. You can look around, and find something gold, man. You know, even if everybody has got Rasta stuff, get yourself a Rasta hat, man. You know, with the dreads, that look good on me, Tom. You know, you've seen them before, right? You know, but maybe not that far. But the bottom line is, get, you know, gold. Man, find some gold and just share us something. You know, man, just let it be a reminder to you. Gold represents heaven. It's the place where God wants to live with me forever. But black, the darkness, you find something dark, these chairs, whatever. You know, dark represents the one thing keeping me from being able to live with God forever in heaven. It represents sin that we've all got. But this red color here represents the blood of Jesus, the only thing that can cover my sin. And when I give my life to Christ, man, He covers my sins forever, and He wants to do that for you. But He doesn't take me to heaven because of this green color. Green represents my growth with Him, me falling more in love, me growing in love with Him. And as I grow more in love with Him, I grow more in love with others. And that's why I'm sharing this with you. So real super quick, guys, You can with those four colors, you can share the gospel. Gold represents what place? Heaven. The red, uh, black represents sin. sin, which keeps us separated from God. But the red represents the blood. the blood of Christ, which was the only thing that could cover sin. And the green represents why he doesn't take us to heaven, but he wants us to yeah. grow more in love with him, so we grow more in love with others. And we share with them the cure to death. Man, I've been having some arthritis in my hands lately, that's been kinda, and I heard, somebody told me about turmeric. Anybody heard about turmeric? You know I supposed to be doing that? And, and I heard, they even said, Susie, that if anybody knows about turmeric, it would be Susie, because Susie knows everything about all that stuff. Now, imagine if Susie had the only turmeric stash in the world, and she knew that my hands were just decrepit and full of arthritis, and she wouldn't share that turmeric with me. What would you think of Susie? What would you think of Susie? Yeah, that's the face I'd make, too. You know? But Susie, would you share turmeric with me? Yes. Absolutely. Man, think about it. What we have to cure to, not arthritis, yes. the cure to death. Man, let's share that. That's how God closes out the book of Mark. After all we've read about how awesome Jesus is, he said, now, go tell people about this. It'd be awesome.